0: Welcome to Parker's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius.
1: Um, I want to share a word this morning. Hopefully it will be encouraging to your heart, but it will only be encouraging if you apply it to your life, and I'll get to that in a minute. But as I was preparing for this the other day, I... um, some of you who know me know I love to play golf, and, and, and the driving range by my house has been closed for feels like forever. And so the other day it was open and I was excited to be able to go out there, and I was so excited that I, I went upstairs and I changed clothes, Mr. David. I put on my golf shorts and I put on my golf shirt and I put on my hat. I walked downstairs with my club and ju- clubs, and Julie looked at me and she said, "Why are you dressed like that? You're only going to the driving range." I said, "I want to look like a golfer, okay?" So I went out to the driving range, and it probably was five balls into me hitting that I realized that if anybody's watching me, there is no way that they're going to think that I'm a golfer. It didn't matter what I dressed up like. My actions said a whole lot different than what my dress did. And as I started thinking about that, God reminded me of what is going on right now in our world. Folks, there are people that are searching for answers today. And if we as a church, and I'm not talking about just as Parker, but as the church, the body of Christ, and we as individual believers, if we don't show people who God really is now, then we're going to miss the greatest opportunity ever. I've heard people say we've never had anything like this before. You know what that means? That it's the greatest opportunity that we've ever had. Let people see who God is. And I want to encourage your heart this morning with a message found in Romans chapter 8. If you'll turn there, we're going to look at verses 35 through 39. And I want us to look at this because we have to figure out how does the church respond when the unexpected happens? Nobody knew this was coming. And I told the first group, if somebody told you that they knew all this was coming, you need to run the other way, okay? Because nobody did. And we can't tell you how everything works and we had not got everything all figured out. But I can tell you that Paul was writing to the church at Rome. The church was being persecuted. They were going through some things they had never experienced before. How ironic that today it ends up being the same way. I want to start in Romans chapter 8. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all of these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, listen, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are some principles here that I want us to look at, but listen, it'll never work if we don't apply it to our lives. So I'm not just giving you some things to think about today. I'm giving us some things that we must apply to our life if we are going to make an impact in the world that we live in today. Paul spells out some things. And I want to lay it out this way. We begin this year talking about revival. We declare this year as the year of revival. But I'm going to have to be honest with you. There are some people right now who are saying, Well, just pack up, go home. Everybody, we're going to pack it in for the rest of the year. Let me tell you something. God has not changed His plan. There is still revival on the horizon. Revival means God's people waking up. And I honestly believe if we'll apply these, repen- these principles to our lives, that we're going to see revival really happen. First thing I want you to see in verse 35, the very first thing Paul says, Who will separate us? I want us to understand, if we are going to be the church, if we are going to live the life that God has called us to live, the first thing we have to do is live secure, not separated. We have to understand that. Paul says, who will separate us? And he goes on and names all these things. Listen, he knew this world was going to bring fear and insecurity. Raise your hand if you have met anybody or you've experienced yourself who, who has gone through fear and insecurity in the last few weeks. Y'all better all raise your hand because you're lying if you don't. We all have experienced that. This is all a new experience for all of us. And we've all experienced fear and insecurity, and that's okay. But what we have to do is make sure that we filter it through God's Word. You see, what's happened today is we have become so fragile that it's caused us. To, we, we, we've become so fragile in our security that it's caused us to lose that secure security. Because we're depending on things, not God. All of those things that we were securing have been taken away or changed around. And we don't know how they're going to be. But Paul points out that we can be secure. That we're not separated. Psalm 20 verse 7 says this. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now that sounds like a powerful verse. And it is if we live it. But the question that God put into my heart, to me, and hopefully to you, do I believe that? Do I really believe that? See, Paul was talking to the church at Rome, and in that day, the Roman army was the most powerful, and the symbol of power were the chariots and the horses. And he pointed out that some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the Lord our God. But if that's not real in our life, then we're not going to be secure. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've heard people saying that, you know, God didn't get surprised, and he didn't. God hasn't changed. But did we get surprised? Are we taken off task? Have we lost sight of the reality of what's going on? And here's how that happens. John 10, 27 through 30. This is not going to be up on the screen. The reference will be. But I just want you to listen to this. Jesus was talking to his disciples when they were facing insecurity. They weren't sure what was going on. They weren't sure what was happening. John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my Father's hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You see, when we start losing that security, when we start losing the understanding of what's going on, this spells out what happens. You see, we start listening to the wrong voice. We have to be listening to the right voice if we are going to experience security. If we're going to be able to live a life secure, not separated, We've got to be listening to the right voices. Jesus said right here, my sheep. Jesus made it very clear. Look, if you belong to me, then you belong to me and no one will get you. No one can take you. Folks, listen. The coronavirus is not going to snatch us out of God's hands. And nothing else that comes along, whatever else is out there, will never take us out of God's hands. And we cannot lose sight of that. But I want you to notice. See, what happens is we get distracted. And we, maybe it's sin in our lives. There are times in all of our lives where sin gets in the way of our relationship with God. And we lose that security because we're not focused on Him. We're focused on us. Sometimes we're focused on the circumstances. The things that are going on around us and we lose sight of reality. But I want you to notice in verse 35, look at what it says there. Paul asks the question, who will separate us from the love of Christ? And then he names tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. He goes on to talk about all of these things. Will these things separate us? Notice that he didn't say these circumstances would change. He never said, well, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you accept Jesus, then everything's going to be okay. And I am afraid that we're living in a world where too many people believe, well, if I accept Jesus, everything's going to be fine. And when then things change, they don't know what to do. That's too shallow. That's not real security like the little boy who was walking in the yard with his dad. He was maybe two years old, and you know how little two-year-olds, they're just starting to get their feet under them, and he would hold on to his dad's hand. He'd walk a few steps, and as he would step in a little inset, he would fall. He'd get up, and he'd hold on to his dad's hand again. He'd walk a little bit, and he'd fall again. Finally, he looked up at his dad. He said, Daddy, you hold my hand so next time I fall, you'll catch me. And, folks, that's where our security is. It's not anything that we've done. It is God holding on to us. The key here is that he is holding on to us. Listen, no matter what, if you have a relationship with Christ, no matter what, you will never be separated from God. Never. That's the first principle that he lays out. The second one is this, found in verse 37. He says, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Paul says, not only are we secure, not separated, but we are conquerors, not conquered. We are winners, not losers. But that is a, an, an offensive term. Okay, militarily speaking, Paul is saying, we're not running backwards and holding up the shield and trying to dodge. We are running forward. If we are not trying to impact this world today, guess what? This world is impacting us. And we have that choice. But too many times in our lives... We live just the opposite. A verse I hear all the time, I love sports and and growing up and and, and listening to speakers come and I still hear it today. Probably the most popular verse used in sports today is Philippians 4.13. I can what? Do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? So how come if that verse is true that we live our lives too many times like we're losing? That's one of the things God has laid on my heart. Gary, if you really believe this, then why are you living like you're losing? There are two things that will keep us from living the life of a conqueror and living like we're conquered. The first one is discouragement. Discouragement takes place when we forget how we're supposed to live and we begin to focus on what is wrong in our lives instead of our purpose. You see, folks, listen to me. God has not changed his purpose for you. God has not changed his purpose for me. The virus did not change all of that. Whatever happens in this world will never change God's purpose for you and me. Do you realize that? But when we lose sight of that and when Gary starts focusing on what's wrong in his world and how poor little me is, is, is facing some tough circumstances or when things aren't going right, guess what? I begin to get discouraged and I lose confidence. Jesus was talking to his disciples about that very same thing. And he said this in John 14.1. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That word believe means to trust. It doesn't mean here with your mind. It means with all that you are. And he said to his disciples, you got to trust. So we get discouraged when we start focusing on what is wrong instead of our purpose. But also, our perspective will impact whether we're living like a winner or living like a loser. I was reminded of that this past week. Many of you know my father passed away on Monday. And I had the the wonderful opportunity to be able to preach his his homegoing funeral service on Wednesday. And I got to share the gospel. My dad told me years ago, son, when you do my funeral, you better preach the gospel. So I, I did the last thing I could do. I obeyed my father one more time. But you know what? It was so refreshing to be able to tell people about my father who lived the life, the example that I got to see. But I was reminded of something. My dad's favorite thing to do in life was his jail ministry. His jail ministry started because of something that he experienced in his life. He was working in an industry and discovered that, that two of his superiors and one of his partners were stealing money. And he had to confront them. He had no choice. And they were confronted. They confessed. I, I can remember the FBI literally coming to my house to talk to my dad about what was going on. Those three men went to prison because of what, it, what they had done. But you know what my dad did? He started a jail ministry. And he led two of those men to Christ because of that. And so that was his heart. And I watched how he turned something that, that could have been bad and turned it into something very godly. But the first time I ever went to the jail with my dad, I'll never forget. We went down there and, and they put us in a six by six cell, I guess. It's not like I stepped it off, but it was about that big. And this guy came in, one of the, one of the prisoners, he was six foot six. And I'm not exaggerating. And I thought, oh, my Lord, please, let's, you know, dad's going to read a verse, pray for him, and we're going to be out of here. Well, he walks in the door. They shut the door behind you, so it's my dad, myself, and this guy who's six foot six. He could have picked up both of us and phoned us through the bars. And my dad started in, and y'all, 30 seconds in the conversation, I was thinking, oh, dear Lord, I've heard this speech before. My dad's going to keep on until he repents, because I'd heard it, because I'd had to do the very same thing. And I'm thinking, dad, what are you doing? Are you crazy? My dad went in and started on all this stuff and, and read Scripture to him. Yeah, man, that guy, he did end up repenting. My dad, and he was, yes, sir, yes, sir. We got out of there, I looked, and I said, Dad, don't ever do that again. I said, what were you thinking? And my dad laughed. I said, that guy could have killed us. I was thinking about what could happen to me. And My dad looked at me, and he said this. He said, son, with a smile on his face, he said, son, Jesus is going to change that man's life. And at that moment, I realized that our perspective impacts How we live. My dad wasn't worried about what was going to happen to him or me. My dad was concerned about what was going to happen to that man for eternity. And folks, we have to live our lives according to what God's word says. I want you to look back in history. There's an empty cross and an empty tomb. All right? If those things have happened, if Jesus has already done that, then we win, right? Well, let's act like it. Let's live like it. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Paul says this to the church at Corinth. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face, talking about eternity. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. Listen, folks. No matter what, we will never lose. We have to be careful, though, and not ask the question... What if we lose? Don't live your life asking, what if I lose? Ask, what if I win? What if God's in charge of all of this that's going on, and in the end, revival breaks out? What if? Why not? We need to live that way. We need to live secure, not separated. We need to live as conquerors, not conquered. And there's another principle I want to show you. The very last part of verse 39 nor height, nor depth, nor any other creative thing, what? will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thirdly, we are loved, not alone. For God so what? Loved the world. The most famous verse that that we know today, for God so loved the world. God made it very clear that he loved us so much that he gave. He loves us. There are so many people today who are struggling with being alone and left out and afraid. And they need to hear this. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this. Then one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did that. We don't have to go around and say, well, you know, as long as somebody will do that for me, then everything will be okay. Jesus already did it. The work's already been done. Jesus died in your place and mine. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is what? Love. We heard all of those, but we have to remember, folks, if we don't live this way, then it's not going to make any difference. Love is not based on a feeling. It is based on action. Listen to this. His love for you is not based on what you do or have done. It is based on what he has done. It's already been done. You are loved, not alone. No matter what, we are loved. And listen, because of these principles, because of us being secure, not separated, being conquerors, not conquered, being loved, not alone, we can live a life without fear. Do we understand that? Two verses that God laid on my heart that, that I really believe we need to focus on. Romans eight fifteen. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That verse tells us that he chose us, we didn't choose him, and that he loves us, he has us, he has adopted us. We can call him Daddy, Father. We have that relationship with him, and the world needs to see that. 2 Timothy 1.7 is the other verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. The Bible reminds us that even though we face things that we don't have to understand, we do not have to live in fear. Reminds me of a story I read not too long ago about a teenage girl. She woke up one morning and she told her dad, she said, I'm just so tired of this life. There's so many things that are going wrong. It seemed like every time I do something, something else bad happens. I can't ever get ahead. Things just never seem to go right. I don't understand why I have to struggle through all these things. Dad, his dad, her dad looked at her and just said, come with me in the kitchen. Didn't say another word. He walks into the kitchen and he took three pots. He poured the water in the pots and he put the stove on. And he let the water boil. And as the water started to boil, he put in three things. He took one pot and he put a potato. He took another pot and he put an egg. In the last pot, he put some coffee beans. And he told his daughter, said, You just stay here. And he walked away. And about twenty minutes later, the father walked back in the room. And he looked at his daughter and he said, What do you see? And as I don't know. For those of you who have teenage daughters who have had them, she sort of rolled her eyes and said, a potato, an egg, and coffee, you know. So, yeah, but I want you to look closer. He said, go feel them. So she walks over as he took them out, put them in a pot. She felt of the potato. He said, what do you feel? She said, well, it's soft and squishy. He said, look at the egg. She takes out the egg. She cracks the shell. She opens it up, and it's a, a hard-boiled egg. He had taken a ladle and he had dipped out the coffee and poured it in a cup. And she smelled it and actually took a sip and she smiled. She said, okay, dad, what's the point? He said, here's the point. All three of those things were subjected to the same adversity. They faced the same thing, boiling water. But the potato went in hard and strong. But when it faced the boiling water, it came out soft and weak the egg when it was put in had a thin outer shell trying to protect the liquid center but when it was exposed to the boiling water the inside became hard but the coffee beans when they were exposed to the boiling water changed the water into coffee the coffee actually changed its surroundings And he looked at his daughter. He said, now, when you face adversity, which one are you going to be? The potato, the egg, or the coffee beans? And I share that illustration this morning because, listen, nowhere in in God's Word do you see where God said we're never going to face tough times. He said you will face tough times, but you will prevail. And we cannot lose sight of that. Listen, I ask you in the beginning, has God forgotten about revival? No. The question is, have we forgotten about it? God can still take all of the things that are going on and turn this world upside down. And you know what? He wants to because He loves us. So the question today is, are we operating out of fear? Are we operating out of faith? You are secure. Not separated if you have a relationship with Jesus. You are conquerors, not conquered if you have a relationship with Jesus. And you are loved, not alone if you have that relationship.
0: That concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.